Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, Series 3, Episode 6. Our promise to you in the Letter from Ireland show is to go and visit the places of your Irish ancestors and bring their stories to life. So, true to form, in today's show, we trace the footsteps of the Maher family from Listole in County Kerry and follow their journey all the way from Ireland to Illinois in the United States. Now, this is a story of one of the many families that left Ireland to make a new life in the United States of America in the mid-1800s. Before we start into the story, do remember any resources or references we mention in this episode, you can find them in the show notes at a letterfromireland.com forward slash 306. Well, listeners, I can't tell you what fun we had in making this show. And I'm sure you'll enjoy it now too. We start out in a small town in Ireland called Listole in County Kerry and head north out the road a few miles to Cailbui, or Quilvui, where we visited the Maher Old Homestead and then across the pond to America, calling on the way to Chicago, then Ottawa and finally Gardner, Illinois, where the Maher family settled and farmed and where Bridget Maher grew up. We love meeting members of our green room and when they came here to Ireland, Bridget and her family, they were visiting County Kerry. So we packed the car and headed west to meet them. Bridget traces her ancestors back to the Maher family who lived and farmed just outside Listole in County Kerry. Bridget Braden was born Bridget Maher and is a descendant of the Maher family from Listole, North County Kerry. Kylebui outside Listole is where Bridget can walk in the footsteps of her ancestors, stand in the doorway of their old house and where the Mahers from Gardner, Illinois have recently discovered they can call home back here in Ireland. Now perhaps some of you listening also have made a link back to Ireland and know where your ancestors left from or maybe you haven't found the place or even the county in Ireland yet. So why don't you come with us and experience through the Maher family what lies in store for you when you do eventually make the connections back here to Ireland and the home place of your own ancestors. So we started our journey in the bustling town of Listole. The day was bright and breezy and the town square was lively with locals and tourists going about their business. Our day began on the steps of the imposing Fitzmaurice Castle. And Mike explained the history here from the 1600s and the effect of the Desmond Wars on this area in North County Kerry. The displacement caused by the war provided an important clue as it explained why the surnames in the Maher ancestry tree were from all over Ireland and why they came to be settled here in North Kerry. At the time of the Desmond Wars, you see, the countryside was cleared of many families and so new people were needed to come here and settle and farm in the area. This explained the diversity of surnames in Bridget's family tree. Perhaps you have a similar story in your own family tree. 
Before we left the town to travel out to the old Maher farm and visit their home, I asked Bridget about what it means to her to be back here in Listole and to take me to her favourite place here in the town. So we walked down the street a little way from the castle and stopped and there we were in front of a place that holds a special place in Bridget's heart. Why don't I let Bridget tell you why this place is special to the Mahers and to many Irish who left Listole over the years? Now, Bridget, Listol has a place in your heart. It does, it does indeed. And tell me, you brought me here to your favourite part of Listol in North Kerry. Sure, sure it is, because this is my first experience with Ireland and my roots, and it was legendary, and my dad always said we were from Listol, and he went with his family. All his brothers and sisters came back, came back to Listole and went in the church. Now they had no doc- documentation, only what they had, they knew. Just they knew they were from Listole, and they went to church. He had uh, his two brother priests. The priests actually said the mass that all his brothers and sisters attended here. And this, now, the, the church, this here. church here. So Saint Mary's, Saint Mary's in Listole. And I was too young. I was uh, a little like, girl back in I, Chicago, just like I did to my own son right now. I left to my home. <laughs> and uh, so I just knew I always wanted to be here and that we wanted to do it with my mom and dad but it was a little bit too late they passed on now and when I finally got here and found I have the documentation now right, right. I did the work okay I followed the trail I got the documents and to have that and then to bring my own brothers and sisters we came uh, not this time but the time before with a group of 22 22 into the church and wow. family and to St. Mary's Church here in Listole. With actually a, a baptismal record to kind of, you know, feel that you were connected. It's now, that baptismal record was of who? So, who it was the oldest of the family, I believe, was Patrick Maher. Uh huh. His oldest son by, we knew, Bartholomew and Mary McCoy. John Maher of Ireland always said my parents in Listole were Bartholomew Maher and Mary McCoy. So you had Patrick's birth cert from this church here. Now this church was uh, built, we were looking there, in the Gothic style, in 1829. So his birth cert then would have been, what date was was on that? Well, actually from the church records from before 1825. Okay. And then there was um, an uh, 32 of another sibling and in 1834 of another sibling. Mine would have been 1836 coming up, but those yes. records are destroyed. They're the difficult records but, to find. You know, once I've got Bartholomew Maher and Mary McCoy and the same siblings going on. You've got his parents, you've got right. the siblings, that's a very close right. connection. Right. And this is the connection to this, this church in St. Mary's. Right, and to go into it then, and even though I didn't have my parents with me, I felt like I did because I have all the pictures of them there and being there. And, and gives you that connection. Right, the connection of family. So Bridget, all the way from Chicago here to Listole in North Kerry. Yes. And where will we go off to next? Well, I'll take you out to the farm. The farm where uh, we found through the records, luckily in the baptismal record, they, they put down... Quilvi or Quilbon as it's sometimes called right. here. And they put that down, so... Uh, and that's just a few miles out the road here from Listole in North it, Kerry. It is, and tracked down the land using the tithe apartment records. Well, well, lead the way, we're off, so that's great. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, Bridget. I can't wait. I can't Thank wait. you.
I'm truly delighted for Bridget to have found documentation linking her mahars to this lovely church at the side of the square here in Listole. As she says, she feels the connection to her own parents who visited the church years ago whenever she visits Listole. Powerful feelings and connections exist for her and her family in this part of North Kerry. We couldn't leave Listole, however, without having a look inside the church and lighting a candle for the Maher families and all those that have left down through the years. The church is built in a Gothic style and has been here since 1829, when it replaced a former church on the very same site. Oh, but it is a lovely church, and if you're ever in Listole, do stop and have a look inside. So now we were all excited to see the family farm where the Mahers had lived before leaving like so many families before them for America. So it was off with us all and out the road a few miles to Quilvui to the house and farm of Bridget's ancestors. The Irish welcome is truly special and arriving at Quilvui we were warmly greeted by Ella O'Sullivan. The farm is now in the O'Sullivan family name. And she gave us a real Irish Cade Mila Falta, a hundred thousand welcomes. Before we knew it, we were chatting over tea and Ella's homemade scones fresh out of the oven that morning. After catching up with all the news since Bridget's last visit, we went out back into the yard to see what remains of the old homestead. The old house is still standing, but the years have left it looking a little worse for wear. But it is there nonetheless, and that's what's important, to be able to imagine your ancestors living in this very spot. Isn't it amazing to think that in 1825, Patrick Maher was born here to Bartholomew Maher and Mary McCoy, followed by Hanora, Elizabeth and John Maher. The daughters Elizabeth and Hanora Maher, together with Timothy Curtin, immigrated in 1850 to the States. They were followed soon after by John Maher in 1851 and possibly his brother Patrick too. What was it like for Bridget to be standing here today in the home of her great-grandfather John Maher? So Bridget, here we are in Coilbui, a few miles outside Listole in North County Kerry. Great. So this yeah. is the place that your ancestors would have come from here in Kerry. The actual structure where in the early 1800s we found uh, off of the tide of the plotment that Bartholomew Maher was farming here with his, I believe his brother, John Maher. Yes. Yeah. One was above the road and one was below the road. So there's a, there's a busy road here now, but we know that there were Mars at one side there, as they called below the road, and then, then and we're here above the road. Above the road. But with this, Bartholomew. With Bartholomew. But this yes. was the structure that they would have. The actual structure that he would have been my ancestors born in, right, when it was uh, intact, more. Yeah, so they were, were long houses, I think they were referred to, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and just to think about them, you know, it's, it feels almost like holy, holy land here, that this is where their blood, sweat and tears were actually within here. And, and this is these fields. where they farmed. And it means a lot to me, too, to be out and see the, the actual land, because I grew up on a farm, 
and the, the land, when I look out, it just reminds me so much of my home and my father and think of him with his father and his father's father, what they, this is, goes back generations, this field. This field, yeah, yeah, and the feeling. And when we're looking out, we're looking out at green fields and grassland and yes. trees in the distance. An Irish mist. And an Irish mist coming right. on top of us. So we're, we're sheltering here in the in the lentil under the mm -hmm. under the door. Yes. Um, and I was looking into, you see the the slats there on the, on the roof, Bridget? Yes. Like that was such a thing in Irish houses, you know, you pop those up and they were painted yeah. cream. And I can just imagine, right? I can imagine it in, in the thatch roof at the time right. they had that and you can see the evidence of a hearth going up in the middle and there at the racks that's and true so to feel their their parlor where they would be gathered yeah. right always here so you're lucky really that structure remained down through the the years really here aren't we that yes. it wasn't disturbed and, and and much more than i expected actually to be be here i was expecting just to see a field and then to actually see an actual structure that you can imagine from being in yeah so Fantastic. i'm delighted to Thank be here you. Thank you, Bridget. Right. And thanks for showing it to us and bringing us out. Very happy. Very happy to be here. Well, you know, it wouldn't be Ireland without the soft Irish rain. And maybe you heard it there as it fell softly as Bridget and I were chatting in her great grandfather, John Mars home. We were just standing inside the door there at Coilvui. Now, I'll just explain Coilvui. I say Coilvui and Coilvui because the Irish actually is Coilvui, C-H-O-I-L-L, which means a little forest or wood, and Vui, B-H-U-I, is uh, yellow, so yellow wood. But of course, as you know, many names in Irish were translated and people were using them frequently. And so the, the names changed and then the English was put on them. And so eventually it became Kylbui, which is K-Y-L-E-B-W-E-E. -E. So if you're searching for your ancestral homeland, you may find that the Irish name has changed over the years. And uh, that's something to keep in mind. Now, we follow on in the footsteps and um, uh, the emigration trail of many of our ancestors as we started now to take the trip from Listole to Chicago and then to Ottawa, Illinois, and follow in the footsteps of the Mara family, where they first settled in America. When we were in Chicago, we visited Old St. Pat's Church, which was a place that would have been familiar to the Mars and also to many of the Irish emigrants arriving in the city at that time. The first church was a simple wooden structure built in 1846, so that would be around the famine, and the present church was built in 1856. Now, thousands of Irish streaming into Chicago during and after the famine would have worshipped here in this church. So, stepping into the church today, there's no doubt that this church holds a very strong connection back to Ireland. Everywhere you look, there's Celtic symbolism. The decorative artwork inspired by the Book of Kells is all over the walls, ceiling, floor and pews and soft light filters through wonderful O'Shaughnessy stained glass windows. The pulpit resembles standing stones and the baptismal font which caught our eye when we stepped inside reflects an old Irish well, all bringing memories of Ireland flooding back I'm sure. The wonderful artwork at Old St. Pat's pays tribute to the Irish emigrants who dedicated the church on Christmas night in 1856. Now, the day we visited, the caretaker obliged us and allowed us to climb up 
into the gallery where Bridget and I had a chat with a bird's eye view looking down onto this amazing church. Listen out too for the story of St. Cabrini and her link to Bridget's family home in Gardner, Illinois. This has a different community feel than any church I've been in in Chicago, and I've been in many churches here in Chicago and, and lived in different areas of the Chicago, but it, it has more of a stronger Irish feel and pull to it, uh, the community and the church. People come and they stay in this area and even travel once they move on out of the city to come back to this church because of the Irishness of it, I believe. And I think there is an Irish feel because just coming in here today, I have never seen so much Irish design. All of the Irish saints are represented, but um, there was one other saint down there that you pointed out. Can you tell us that saint, well, that very, link to your family? very happy that they decided to include St. Francis Cabrini and put her in a place of honor up on the side of the church up at the top. She was a big part of Chicago. That She came here and did a lot of hospitals and a lot of community uh, work. And the first, uh, uh, first, the first Italian, American, um, American. American saint. She got her citizenship and the first American saint technically with citizenship even though born in Italy. And uh, she actually raised a little incredible amount of fundraising. Took her all the way out to Gardner, Illinois, where I grew up and our home farm is, Yes. Um, by horse and carriage, took her around to fundraise my own uh, family, my great-grandmother. So the, the Mar family, yeah. her aunts would yes. have been uh, fundraising for uh, Mother Cabrini, and, and she stayed overnight in our farmhouse. So she actually slept in your farmhouse. It was great to honor. Not many people can church. say they've had a saint visit. In their home, right? Not that they know of, right. anyway. My dad was very proud of the fact we had a lovely shrine built up in uh, our home for Mother Cabrini and love to say your mother's not the only saint that slept in this house. Remember that. <laughs> now, isn't that a claim to fame to know that a saint has slept in your house? Well, we were delighted that we had a chance to visit Old St. Pat's, a church that, I discovered from Bridget, had survived the Great Chicago Fire of 1871 and is the oldest public building in the city of Chicago. There were lots more delights to experience in Chicago, but we were on the trail of the Maher family, and as they made their way, like lots of Irish at the time, from here in Chicago on out to Ottawa, Illinois. The weather followed us from Ireland out to Ottawa, and a strong wind was blowing, as Bridget told me, about John Maher and what happened when he arrived here in Ottawa, Illinois. Here we are in Ottawa. Yes, yes, here we are. And this is where my ancestor, John Maher from Ireland, landed when he came uh, following his siblings over here to the United States from Ireland. And he would have been uh, a young man here working in Ottawa. The tons of Irish that had kind of settled here and pulled over the Irish from Ireland had come to work on the I&M Canal. Which we're just standing beside Which here, yeah. have been here the and um, it was here already when my ancestor got here. He kind of came on the coattails of the other ones that had uh, built it. So the Illinois-Michigan Canal was here, and I guess the lockhouse here behind would have been here. And the lockhouse. And the, and the flag with the 20 states. Right, and yeah. 24 states behind yeah. us there. And sure, he would have been familiar in here with all of this time. And 
from here then, he spent some, some time here before he moved to his own farm. He, as a young man, uh, made his money, worked on a farm uh, for a local uh, Protestant farmer who had a lot of money and made his way and actually signed, the farmer he worked for, signed off on his citizenship papers here. So he would have had his citizenship here in Ottawa as well. Exactly. And uh, a great time for him to be getting his citizenship with Abraham Lincoln here and the great Abraham Lincoln Douglas debates going on in the town square here. I, I can just see him out in the middle of that square listening to all the history being made here in Ottawa. And then saving up his money to go and buy his own farm his farther farm out the road. That he built on prairie land with his own two hands, a, a big farmhouse that I grew up in. We were very fortunate that on the day we were in Ottawa, Illinois, that the canal house on the old Illinois-Michigan Canal was open and Stan, one of the volunteers there, was happy to tell us about the importance of the canal, the economy here in the 1850s and why many Irish came to dig the canal and stayed afterwards when it was opened in 1848. Hi Stan. Hi, we're in Ottawa, Illinois. We're 96 miles southwest of Chicago. We're standing in front of the toll house on the Illinois and Michigan Canal. Uh, it's one of four toll houses that remain. Uh, it's the last remaining of four toll houses. And we were lucky to get a, a look inside there earlier. It looks like the real deal, the it, real it thing. It, it's been restored back to the 1850s. And what was it like here in the 1850s? What brought all the people here? The canal was started in 1836 and finished in 1848 and was a huge economic engine for bringing produce from the fields out in western Illinois into Chicago uh, where they could sell their product. And, and the reverse of that was the merchants in Chicago could sell their lumber and machinery and everything needed to build communities out on the prairie. And I imagine a lot of Irish people would have found work here in this area at that time. In the 50s especially there was lots of work available because the canal had to be maintained. After it was built uh, it started deteriorating and needed maintenance. And the, was the lady saying earlier the canal was something like, uh, is it six feet deep and how far, uh, six, six, 60 feet across. 60 feet across and, and, and six, six feet deep. And dug by hand and pickaxe and... Yep, all by hand. No machinery, no electricity, no steam shovels. Just wow. hard labor. Primarily uh, Irish, but also Poles and Italians. And then there was the interesting factional disputes. Between the different peoples, I can imagine. I the, can imagine. The Italians especially were very territorial and they kind of resented the intrusion by the Irishmen into their territory. Uh, it was not official that the Irishmen would have these particular miles to, but to, it was an understand, understanding that here's where you went to work. Okay. But every, everybody worked wherever there was work to do. And there was lots of work. Lots of work here. And this was a thriving place back then because oh, yes. the produce was able to come in and they were the docks and so on. It's just amazing to see all the different things. And then that Chicago actually built itself up after that. Yes. Thank you very much, Stan, for telling us all about oh, it. You're, you're welcome. Thank I'm you. I'm glad we dropped in at your lock house. I am too. Have a good trip. Thank you. Meeting Stan in Ottawa 
um, on our Irish ancestry trail is it's just one of those happy coincidences. As Stan pointed out, understanding the story of the I&M Canal illustrates life and the rapid development of Chicago and northeastern Illinois in the 19th century. And it also tells us what life was like at the time the Maher family arrived here. While they didn't work directly on the canal, they arrived as many Irish did in chain migration, or as Bridget puts it eloquently, on the coattails of those who had come before them. Before leaving Ottawa, we admired its murals depicting life at the time that John Maher arrived there. They were right up on all the walls around the town. So we walked around the square where the great debate of Abraham Lincoln and Douglas took place. Looking at their large bronze statues and the mural of the debate, it was easy to imagine those cheering crowds on the day and Bridget's John Maher, definitely he was among them. A little outside the town, we visited the final resting place of John Maher, Bridget's great-grandfather. We found the imposing headstone in the older part of the graveyard, and it was made of Illinois red limestone. Here, Bridget tells us a little bit more about finding her great-grandfather's final resting place. So, Bridget, you brought us here to this lovely cemetery. On the side of the highway almost, yes. but it's here in uh, Ottawa. Ottawa, Illinois, um, St. Columbus, St. Columbus Cemetery. And this is where my great-grandfather, John Maher from Ireland, is buried. So I see John Maher is there at the top. Yes. Um, and he died in 1893. And he was married then to Mary Leahy Maher. And some of their children are here as well. Some of their young children buried here on the side. And also um, two other daughters that were older single daughters that were buried here with them. And did you have a time finding John here in Ottawa, considering I, I you grew up in Gardner? Did. We're about an hour away from Gardner, where I grew up. And it's funny the way it works in families. My mother's stories kind of took precedence in the cemeteries that we went to were with my mother's family. And I can't say I ever would have even been able to tell you where my great-grandfather was born, uh, buried. Yes, yeah here in Ottawa until I started getting into the family history and digging around. And sure, there not there a recollection on some of the aunts and uncles who are like, I think, I think Ottawa is where he's buried, actually, not visiting here as much as often. Now don't I come, I come down at least once a year to visit and be here in it, this in final Ottawa. resting place. Yeah. And I noticed that we saw, even today, we discovered the names of the daughters here at the back and exactly. their own, and themselves. And is this marble as well? It reminds me of the Kerry red. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Marble. Uh, I wonder, is there a connection back there as it, well? I think there may be. It called to her. I, yeah. I know Mary Leahy would have set the stone, the, the mother, when she passed away in 1931. Um, I think it does call out to them. I noticed that color. It's a granite. Uh, yes. Here from Illinois, but still, I, I noticed that color seems resembles to, the red marble in Kerry. Seems to call to them. Yes. So thanks, Bridget, for bringing us here. Very happy yeah. to be here with them. Listening to Bridget's happiness at having discovered the resting place of her John Maher reminded me of some reasons people join us in the green room. One, they like to know the resting place of their ancestors. 
And two, they would love to see the place and maybe even walk in the footsteps of where these people lived in Ireland. Bridget is one of the lucky ones and has located these places for her family. But to those that are still searching, take heart and listen as Bridget says to the stories of the aunts and uncles where she got her first clues that John Maher had returned here to Ottawa and was buried. Next, we travelled out to the farm where John had finally settled in Illinois. Out the road to Garner, we tried to imagine how the young John Maher from Ireland made his journey to his new farm. Most likely on horseback, as Bridget had told us, the Maher family were good with horses and kept them right up to her father's generation. But back then, much of the region especially after the winter snows, would have consisted of very wet prairie land, spring rains and melting snow, which would have turned the trails into quagmire. I can see the benefits of that canal now. But today the sun is shining and we are all in a car on a well-paved, wide, straight road. But what must John Maher have felt coming from the smaller farms of North Kerry? The land here is vast and so flat to our Irish eyes. You can see for miles in each direction and today we can see fields of corn and soybean stretching away to the horizon. To John Maher and many Irish emigrants, the opportunity of owning your own parcel of land in this new country of America must have felt worth all the effort of leaving behind the familiar land of his birth and for many their families too. The road here is called Maher Road and the farm we arrive at on the Maher Road still remains in Bridget's family. So this farm, imagine, has remained in the same family since John Maher, the young emigrant from Ireland, first farmed here almost 150 years ago. The farmhouse is imposing and, of course, it has a swing on the porch and has included additions over time as amenities were acquired by a growing family. There is a quietness here today that tells the tale of time passing and families moving on and leaving the farm for work and the attractions of city life. Picture Bridget and myself standing on the Maher roadside in front of her family home and it's a sunny summer's day as Bridget recalls memories of her childhood home here in Gardner, Illinois. I know this is a very special place for you, Bridget. It is, yes. Why? This is uh, my family farm in Gardner, Illinois. Um, the house where I grew up and my great-grandfather, John Maher of Lestow, came and built in uh, 1869 with his own two hands. Wow, that is special, isn't it? Yeah. And you were showing us earlier the part you think that was the original part of the house? The original part, when he first came, would have been the small triangle part where the roof goes up in the middle, is what he first started with. And then piece by piece, uh, child by child, as they added on, it uh, got to be a larger farmhouse. 
So your great-grandfather, then your grandfather was here. My grandfather here. born here. My father was born in this house, literally born in the house. And then I was born here, but in the hospital and then raised here. And you were the youngest of 10 children here in this house. Yes, yes. So is there any special part of the house there, the ones we were looking around that brought back some memories to you? That well, special. Of, of certainly the front porch swing that we sat on almost every night. The family farm, of course, you know, we would gather on the front porch a lot to, to sing and rest in the evenings and tell a lot of stories and sing a lot of songs. And when we arrived here, it's so American to us because there's these long flat fields that go on and on and lots of corn and what was the other one? Soybeans? Soy corn and soybeans are the main products we grow and always have when I was growing up. Corn and soybean farm. And then we wouldn't have too many animals, the cats and the dogs and the horses, but uh, not for servicing the farm as much as enjoying it, really. And then I thought I saw a sign over there that's very special to these farms that are there in the family for over 100 years. That's right. We're very proud of the centennial farm plaque that the state of Illinois distributes when you go into the state and prove that it's descended through the family for over 100 years in the same bloodline. Wow, that's something very special, isn't it? It is, and we're getting close to the bicentennial. In two more years, we'll go and apply for the 150-year to put uh, I think we might see you guys here for a long time to come. So we'll keep it. It's, the, the land is very special. I think it's an Irish thing that we hold, we treasure and take care of these farmlands and the family name. And I know it's in safe hands with your family here. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it's really, really lovely. Yeah. Thanks for showing us around this wonderful farm. Very happy to have you. You're very welcome. Isn't that something special? to have a centennial farm in the family. Under Bridget's watch, I don't think it will be long at all before the bicentennial plaque will be up there on the Maher Farm on Maher Road in Gardner, Illinois. And so, listeners, our journey comes to an end. I'd like to say thanks very much to Bridget Braden and her Maher family as we accompanied them on the Irish ancestral paths when we travelled to Illinois following in the footsteps of their John Maher family who left Cuilvui in Listole and their farm in the lowland of North County Kerry to settle and prosper in their rural farm in Gardner outside Ottawa, Chicago in Illinois, USA. Bridget's family history is similar to many Irish emigrants and their experiences when they left Ireland in search of land and opportunity in America. Thanks so much for your company on today's Letter from Ireland show and I hope you enjoyed meeting the people that we chatted to along the way. Perhaps one of your own ancestors also made the journey from their Irish homeland to Chicago and if so, well we'd love to hear from you and remember listeners you can let your comments and check out more below at a letterfromireland.com forward slash 306. We look forward to you joining us again next time on the Letter from Ireland show. So everybody, slán, that's goodbye in Irish from me. And till we meet again, slán gafol, bye for now, Karina. Just before we go, thanks again for listening. And if you have enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we invite you to check out our special membership area called The Green Room. 
You can find full details of The Green Room at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. And remember there, green room is all one word. The Green Room is the essential resource for anyone at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. It's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. You get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anyone starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So do come and join us at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Well, that's it for me. And I'll be back next week with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. Look forward to chatting with you then. Slán Karina. <laughs>